It's February 1st, 1846, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that a novelist, poet, and playwright called Théophile Gautier wrote a long account of his consumption of cannabis in the French magazine La Revue de Deux Mondes, which proved that stoners have been incredibly boring since the dawn of time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quite a compelling read. It would probably be good if you were stoned when you read it. <laughs> it takes a moment to adjust to the romantic style of the writing. There's a lot of detail. Yeah, and a lot of detail about weird things. So he describes arriving at this gothic house in Paris, and it's a dark, foggy night in December, and he devotes an incredible amount of space to describing the staircase, the door knocker, <laughs> the crockery, and the actual hash-eating is actually only a couple of sentences. You could easily miss it. <laughs> well, because of that style, actually, the first time I read it, I was like, why is he lingering on the mustard? Like, I know Frenchmen like mustard. But seriously, what's so exciting about some green mustard that it warrants a paragraph in your memoirs? But then I realised that the moutard was the marijuana. That was the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because it's translated as jam in some translations, which gave me a much different impression of what he was actually consuming. Yeah, a morsel of paste or greenish jam about as large as the thumb from a crystal vase which I had a hard time visualising. <laughs> found it easier when people used to compare things to the size of walnuts. <laughs> well, the ingredients of what they were eating actually sounded delicious anyway. They mixed the hashish up with cinnamon, cloves, nutmeg, pistachio, sugar, orange juice and butter. I mean, that sounds like a delicious French pastry. Yeah, give me a mince pie with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the reason that they were there was to test the effects of marijuana on both the body, but also more importantly, I guess, the psyche. And the reason for all of that was that Dr. Jacques-Joseph Moreau had become really interested in this whole subject because hashish was becoming more popular due to this sort of curious historical quirk, which was that in 1798, Napoleon had invaded Egypt, which was his sort of first step to drive towards India. And while they were out there, the soldiers had discovered hashish and were rather into it and even though it was banned it all came back with them and so France got interested in it so then did Europe and an increasing number of psychologists began to be interested in what the effects of this new drug that rapidly became available in pharmacies were on on people and so Moreau got together a bunch of his buddies to check that. Yeah, because I mean, when the soldiers came back and started doing it, it was seen as a bit of a sordid pastime suitable for, you know, squaddies who've been abroad for too long. But it was Moreau who really gave it a veneer of legitimacy because he worked in the field of psychiatry. He'd actually discovered it himself because something that doctors did then was they just went on holiday with patients who had problems to just be there with them. So he'd gone to Egypt (laughs) and Turkey. Oh, you're going to the Algarve. I'll need to join you on that one. (laughs) Assess the uh, psychological impact of lots of wine on your body yeah and beaches and hashish it turns out and when he came back to Paris with I assume a big stockpile of hashish he started doing these experiments so he was the first person to really make a connection between the effects on the body and mind and he noticed that the behavior of people who were high on hashish seemed to him similar to the symptoms of madness so he had a theory that by taking hashish and getting other people to take it in front of him he could draw conclusions about mental health Well, specifically because one of the first things that people who had various kinds of mental illnesses uh, exhibited, at least according to the psychiatrists of the time, was some sort of hallucinations or, you know, seeing things or hearing voices that weren't there. And so they looked at the effects of hashish 
often, you know, on themselves having taken it. And they were like, well, that's a hallucinogen. And consequently, I can have the experience of hallucination without actually going mad and therefore can start to understand the sort of what the brain is doing behind that whole process. I mean, Moreau was serious about this. He later published a 439-page book about whether cannabis could cure insanity. But I do wonder whether putting this veneer (laughs) of scientific investigation and then also his literary mates around basically sitting in a room with a group of stoners and documenting what your trip was like in quite a glamorous setting, you know, whether Rebecca finds it boring to have the doorknob documented or not, (laughs) was really just an excuse, you know, because this group of people that got together, they didn't just get together to try hash. They got together in a hotel, dressed up as Arabs, and take it together with a meal. Yeah. I was like, it was formalized and (laughs) codified. Yeah, but not scientifically so. It was kind of... just like, let's have a fancy dress party with some drugs. Yeah, fancy dress party, (laughs) all eat the stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And then, Thomas, write write an essay about it, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so Moreau, along with Gautier, became a founding member of what was called the Club des Hachichins, which is the Hashish Eaters Club. The members were mostly literary figures like Victor Hugo, Balzac, uh, Delacroix, the painter, Alexandre Dumas. Some of them didn't actually indulge. Balzac Mm. famously kind of just went to look at the rest of them. That's the story (laughs) he told the people who, like his mum and dad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just go to dress as an Arab. (laughs) Yeah. I think as well there was a literary influence because of what was happening in England because we had Thomas de Quincey's Confessions of an English Opium Eater and all of these guys would have read that in translation and seen him as an important modern voice. Yeah, and I think there was also a feeling at the time that creative people could do their best creative work when they were under the influence of something or other. And, you know, for Baudelaire, for example, he was wanting to compare the uh, effects of hashish versus wine on creativity. And he sort of came to a relatively damning conclusion by the end of it, at least from the hashishin's (laughs) perspective, which was that, you know, cannabis was not as good for being creative because it drove you inward and solitary as wine, which made you sort of more gregarious and outgoing. That's what he reckoned, at least. Yeah, Baudelaire's account is funny because it does sound like he was sitting on the sidelines watching everyone because I've been at parties like this. (laughs) He says, it sometimes happens that people completely unsuited for wordplay will improvise an endless string of puns and wholly improbable (laughs) idea relationships fit to outdo the ablest masters of this preposterous craft. But after a few minutes, the relation between ideas becomes so vague and the thread of your thoughts grows so tenuous that only your cohorts can understand you. (laughs) That does definitely sound like someone not having fun among people who are having fun. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas wine, he said, exalts the will. Yes. You know, the thing I'm addicted to is good. Hash is bad. That was the conclusion. <laughs> it's worth noting the portion sizes that they were consuming. Um, mm. Obviously, we don't know exactly what they had on this particular evening, but Moreau's usual concoction, which created a walnut-sized lump. There you go, Ollie. There's your walnut-sized there we are. lump. Yes. yes. Moreau liked to measure things by walnut size. He knew. <laughs> One lump contained approximately 150 milligrams of THC. For comparison, a typical joint or edible today might contain five milligrams. And in one experiment, Moreau actually consumed three and started experiencing psychosis, unsurprisingly. I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, grass was much milder back in the day, but in their day, it was extremely, extremely hard. (laughs) And sometimes they used to mash up cantharides into it as well, which is a Spanish fly. Yeah. 
Jesus. Uh, as in literally the green beetle. That's what gave it oh. its green hue. I thought you meant so that they were horny and also stoned. <laughs> well, basically, yes. So, you know, that was then and still is sometimes now used as an aphrodisiac due to its effects on blood vessels could cause, I'm trying to choose my language carefully in a family show, priapism. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that you had that going on as well. You're out of it and you want everyone and you're surrounded by people dressed in sort of traditional <laughs> cliche Arabic garb. That's the vibe. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in Gautier's account, as the meal draws to an end, he says, already some of the more fervent members felt the effects of the green jam. He then says, my neighbours began to appear somewhat strange. Their pupils became big as a screech owl's. Their noses stretched into elongated proboscis. Their mouths expanded like bell bottoms. They go on to engage in frenzied dancing and bouts of hysterical laughter. And again, this might sound familiar if you've ever been at one of those parties. He says, people mumbled pleasantries in my ear, none of which I can recall, but which at the time seemed to me prodigiously clever and which filled me with the maddest gaiety. And either because of all of this writing or in spite of it, cannabis remained very popular in France. In fact, the biggest users of cannabis today are France and Spain, with 11% of people saying that they have taken it in the last 12 months. Meanwhile, the UK is down on about 7%. So it's, I don't know, it's not as popular here as it is over there. So I don't know if something of the romanticism lingered in people's thinking about hashish and cannabis broadly. Well, we don't eat so much mustard. It's harder to get confused, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow. He'd succumbed to the excesses of Hollywood. I think that was met with, yeah, sort of almost a feeling of betrayal. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.